The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to NASCAR America, and it's safe to say finally the West Coast swing is over after three races and a time change on Sunday, and now we're on later than normal, so I'm still a little confused on exactly the time. <laughs> Steve Latart, Jeff Burton, I'm going to call you a special guest because oh, we haven't thanks. seen you a lot on Monday. No. Parker Kligerman yeah. comes in to break down Phoenix. Guys, the first, I know people are going to be upset when I say this, short track of the race. First, I'm not upset. First, you agree, right? Short track. First shorter track of the year. <laughs> One mile at Phoenix. New tire, new aero package, all the sticky stuff on the racetrack. What were your thoughts? I thought a great race. I mean, from the time they dropped the green flag, uh, we saw saw the nine car, the Chase Elliott and, and Kevin Harvick going at it for that first stage win. That was awesome. Just really from the time they started, they really from the time they unloaded. I was there, talked to a lot of drivers. They were really fascinated about how the cars drove. They had a completely different package. So all in all, it was a great weekend. I thought it was one of the most entertaining Phoenix races I'd seen in a while. And actually, halfway through the race, I felt that way. I tweeted, and I think you kind of pointed out, there was multiple organizations that took time at the front, took turns, and we're continuing to see this parody throughout the field, even with this new this going back to the lower downforce package. So I just thought, overall, awesome race. They nailed it with the sticky stuff. The tire was great. Just awesome weekend. That's the biggest thing for me is, is I don't really care where the credit falls. The simple fact is it was one of the best examples of everyone in the sport working yeah. together, both uh, the rules, the track, the preparation of the track, and the Goodyear tire. And fortunately for us, we get to wait till the race is over to come up with a turning point because I'm not sure where it was going to come as the race went. There were so many different drivers that controlled the race. But without a doubt to me, when I look back on Sunday, race the turning point ends up in the last 60 laps or so here it is lap 265 Logano leading the race after recovering from a tire violation earlier when Tyler Reddick unfortunately ends his very good run in the eight then it's decision time do you pit do you not some cars stay out but Jeff Joey Logano Kevin Harvick they come to pit road tires matter you know good you brought a tire that was going to wear out that was going to lose time putting tires on your race car although it was risky it really mattered but right here Joey Logano's Jack Mann Braxton Brandon, great job. Knew he had a problem. Immediately knew what to do when he had that problem. Got the car jacked up. That was a bad pit stop, but it could have been a lot worse. It could have been worse. And because of that bad pit stop, when you then look at the restart, look at this. All the guys up front on old tires, Parker, but the four, the 22, separated. But look how far back on the field they are. They're just in the hornet's nest back here. And as we go off into turns one and two, you're going to see basically how this all sort of started to come together where Harvick is trying to find his way, navigate through the set of cars. Logano's back there, and he's going to cut left. Look at this. Three wide, three wide. He's going to get four or five cars in one corner. 
that could have made the difference, but as they head down to turn three, this would be the big decision part. Yeah, you see Kevin Harvick three lanes up and going up the racetrack as we freeze it. The 22 is behind the pylon, but he's moving forward. The four cars on protection mode. Jeff, pit decisions matter, but you had to be good on the restart. You see right here, Joey Logano, he's on the apron of the racetrack making moves. You had to, you had to be really good on restarts, and some of this stuff, uh, some of it, Parker, is luck. I mean, some yeah. of it, you get in the wrong line at the wrong time. You would have thought Kevin Harvick was where it needed to be, but you saw him got bottled up. And Joe Logano used that great restart. There he is up inside the top five, and that matters because here you go. Busher, I think that was a tire down straight into the wall for the 17 car. More guys had to decide to pit or to stay out, and in the end, this is the track position the 22 needed, and most importantly, the track position in front of Kevin Harvick. You see him right here inside the second row. Right, and he's just a master of the restarts, being so aggressive. Almost gets turned by Alex Bowen there, holds on to it. That was incredible, but he was just incredibly aggressive, and it worked in his favor. Yeah, then you see Martin Truex Jr. Bad luck continues. I'm not sure I would ride to dinner with the driver of the 19 here lately. Everything's <laughs> going wrong for him this year. But you see Joey Logano, now he's at the front of the field. Kevin Harvick just behind him. And I think that's the key, right? Here they are lined up, nose to tail. Even with, so what, 25 laps to go in the race or so, it still mattered that not only was he in position to try to pass for the win, he was in front of Kevin Harvick already. Yeah, and a huge difference between being in the second row and the third row. That is a major difference in how far you can get and how quickly you can get there. And you can see, we know Joey Logano has better tires right now, but he, you know, he's making it work. A lot of people would run low like that, and they could not hold the bottom, and he was able to do it. And this is what I like right here, Parker. He gets by the 14. I'm going to call that a mini slide jaw taking yep. the spot. That puts him in position to race his teammate, which was anything but smooth, kind of beating <laughs> and banging there. They went at it. Brad did everything he could to try and hold him off, but he just was no match for newer tires. We knew how much tires really mattered in this. Great call by Paul Wolf to give him those tires and allow him to be aggressive move to the front. So why that is the turning point, and you never know what restart's going to be the last or who you have to beat, but looking back, in hindsight, it's always crystal clear. And actually, both drivers mentioned this after the race, controlling the race. Joey Logano got in front of the four, and that was the key. We talked to both drivers after the race. Honestly, did I think a win was in the in the books at that point? No. Uh, it's kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm 18th, and I was like, man, if I can get a top five, that's probably going to be pretty good. I got a lot of cars to pass in a short amount of time, but uh, good restarts, cautions at the right time, some more cars pitted and put us third uh, with fresher tires and the cars around us. Uh, you know, that, that's what, you know, everything kind of lined up good there at the end. So, uh, and a car that was able to do it, right? I mean, you say a good restart, and that's not just a driver that does that. You know, the car's got to do what you tell it to do. Uh, and I was able to, to make the bottom work on restarts, which was, was big. There wasn't really many cars that could do that. After we pitted there, I got stuck behind a couple of cars there and, and lost five or six spots, and, and he got by and got control of the race, and he got to restart where he wanted to and do everything he wanted to. Our Jimmy John's Ford was better. Um, you know, especially when we could put it in, in front of his. So we just uh, didn't get the control of the race back there, um, and he was able to get by us on, on that restart where I got hung up. Control of the race. Those are the key words. So Paul Wolf, Joey Logano, second win of the season, first year paired together. A lot was made of this crew chief swap or team swap, really, at Team Penske. So as I put my crew chief hat on, it doesn't matter how good of a race I call or how good of a race you drive. We have to be connected. Right When it's time to go and I put tires on you, you have to make the position of it. When I leave you on the racetrack, you have to play defense. We have to really be connected. I think that's probably what I'm seeing the best out of this Joey Logano-Paul Wolf pairing is tire violation, they recovered. Jack failure, they recovered. It would put a little fear in me if I'm racing against them. This is two issues at a racetrack where you shouldn't be able to pass. You shouldn't be able to move through the field, yet they recovered 
I think that's what was most impressive of the 22 on Sunday. I think to me, more impressive than just the recovery is the fact they didn't have the speed. Like, I didn't see them as the fastest car. Kevin Harvick talked about it. I thought Chase Elliott's car. But when you're when everything's going right and you and your crew chief and you and your team are all synced up, you go find a way, right? And that's where Joey Logano is at this point in his career. He finds a way, even on days. And I'd say the first win they had, they didn't have the best car either. But they are finding ways to get into victory lane. So if you take that, that, the ability to find ways and then you add better speed to that, if this team gets better and is able to find just a little bit more speed, how are you going to deal with them? I mean, yeah. they are going to be very, very dangerous. They're not far off on speed. They're just a little bit. You give them that little bit and how are you going to hold them back? Well, I was just thinking about what you were saying about, you know, the crew chief and the driver gelling. And I know just from speaking to Paul over the last couple of years, he really felt thought so highly of Joey when they were working together with that 22 car when he was on the two of Brad Keselowski and mentioned it often, some of the things he did really well. So I wasn't surprised to see those two click instantly, but you, you kind of mentioned it. Both wins now have come with calling some form of strategy that put Joey in a position where he had to do something on the restarts there and maybe either play defense or be super aggressive offense. And he just rises to the occasion and finds a way to do that. The, the other term I find funny is controlling the race. So this is now one of our new buzzwords probably in NASCAR when we talk about controlling the race. And I think the thing there that, you know, really became evident is Kevin needed more laps, right? He, if he had a 10 or 15 lap run, there towards the end that maybe allowed him to get to 22. He could have used that speed, but when you have the control of the restart like Joe Logano did, he put his car in the right positions each time, even with Kevin having that little bit more speed, there just wasn't enough laps for him to use it to his advantage because Joey had that little then you get from nailing the restart by controlling the race. So you mentioned restarts. The question I have for the drivers, is it pure chaos or are you picking guys out that you know you need to get by, right? When we see yeah. Joey Logano, is he just anything it takes to get to the front or are there guys in front of him that he knows he has to try to get in front of as quickly as possible? Well, I think you always keep tabs, and Jeff, I want your opinion on this. You always keep tabs on who you're kind of racing for the win. Obviously, you're always asking, you've heard this, hey, who's on new tires? Who, what's my situation around me, right? But when that restart happens, you just go for the holes. You go for the moments to say, I got to do this. I got to go here. I see this hole. I'm going for it. And sometimes it works at it seems like the C's part and it all goes your way. And then other times you have where you have Kevin who went off into turns three and four, thought, oh, this is a great position to be in. Two cars get bottled up and suddenly he's forced to a groove he doesn't want to be in. That was the race. There's several steps on a restart, right? The first thing is get a great launch, right? You got to get a great launch. You got to time all that stuff right. And then when you drive into turn one, you have a plan, but rarely does that plan completely work out because the people around you, they also have a plan, right? Yeah. So, and they're there to win the race too. But talking about restarts, what I found fascinating uh, on the restarts was that the predominant line was the outside. But almost every time, the leader picks the inside. Yeah. And it's th So where else do you see that, and why is that? And the reason it, it happened at Phoenix is because with that dog leg on the front straightaway, the, the, the quickest way to get to turn one was to go straight. Yeah. So you, on these restarts, the leader normally would just hang a left and just go straight through that dog leg and get there before the guy would on the outside. And that's something we don't see at any other racetrack. If the outside line's the way to go, you go to the outside on a restart. But here, I think drivers learned more of this race than I'd seen in the past races that because of how effective the PJ1 was, that traction compound, you wanted to be there. But to get there first, right, to get there first by restarting on the bottom, shortcutting that dog leg, that was, that was what ultimately was, was, was the race winning. And on top of that, I don't think the outside lane 
converted to that very well. I don't think yeah. the outside lane, you know, they gave that inside lane so much room. I thought they needed to be on their door, you know, trying to get to them. And, and the only one that I saw do that was Chase Elliott. He did that early in the race. Of course, they all wrecked. But, you know, so that's, but, but I just, that, that to me, every race has its own unique thing that goes on within it. The restarts and how the, the leaders were picking the bottom, I found that fascinating. But think about some of those late race restarts there when Kevin was trying to make his run at Joe Gano. He would fly off into that high lane using the traction compound and he would get so close to Joe Gano. But as you said, it just, just wasn't enough. And that's because Joey had gotten that just good enough launch, cut the track well enough that he had that ability almost to slide up. And that's just so unique to what we're seeing at Phoenix that we really don't see anywhere else. What, you know... Last year, we saw this rules package where you kind of would jumble the field up and whoever got track position kept it. At any point during this race, there was five, six, seven cars that I felt had a chance to win the race, and it didn't shock me that they were perhaps the five, six, seven favorites for the year, right? I saw Kyle Busch up there. I don't think he had the car at times. Joey Logano, Brad was up there. I mean, you name a big-name driver, and they cycled to the front of this race. And that's why I thought, you know, execution, it, think about that, right? You have to have a good car. You have to make good calls. You got to have good pit stops, but then you have to execute. You have to not be fortunate, but you have to really earn your keep in this race to end up somewhere in the top five. No, listen, what I have enjoyed this year is that if you're going to win these races, you have to have speed, right? You, in every race, you've always had to have speed. But on top of that, now you have to also execute. Like, you have to do everything right. And, and uh, the competition is so stiff that you cannot have a series of mistakes and overcome it. You just can't. You saw Kevin Harvick. He didn't, even, he didn't really make a mistake. He just got caught in the wrong line. And, and the competition's too good. There's too many good race teams on the racetrack that can win these races, and you have to be good in every single area. Joey Logano and his team recovering from the broken jack Yeah. and how quickly the jack man, to me, that's great coaching. That's great preparation. They lose three more spots. They don't win this race. That's absolutely. I mean, think about this. Not just the, the instant, you know, not stuck in the middle. I need a new jack. Knowing where the jack was, no panic behind the wall, no sort of fumbling of the jack back and forth. He knew right away to do it. You mentioned it's coaching. You coach all of these opportunities that you hope never come, but when they do and you get the reaction perfectly, as you said, two or three more rows, I'm not sure the 22 gets there. I won't lie. I was concerned about Phoenix after the – absolute dominance of Denny Hamlin a year ago. He kind of made the race a little bit spread out. You know, good for him. He had a great car. After what I saw on Sunday, though, I'm excited to see a champion crown there at the end of the year. Oh, I, I'm way more excited. We saw so many more passes and just such a more competitive race, and I don't think there was anyone within the sport that wasn't worried about the championship finale going to this racetrack after the race we saw there last fall. This race got me excited. That, I mean, in so many respects, I think it's one of the best Phoenix races I've just ever seen because there was multiple grooves. They did such a good job with that track compound, and there was options. And, and the, the other thing, you know, when we're talking about NASCAR 2020, what it takes to win, adaptability. You've got to adapt to a whole different package one week from the next. You've got to be able to yeah. adapt to changing track surface, track compound, traction compound that's going away and changing throughout the race. There's an incredible amount of adaptability that's needed to win at this level now, and I think that makes the races just that more, much more dynamic. Well, it's a team championship, and that was a team win. Oh, 100%. And, I, you know, listen, you, you just talked about adaptability. I, I, we, have, we have learned now in this sport that if you're going to have good races on mile and a half, you're going to have good races on, on short tracks and good races at super speedways, you have to have different packages, yeah. right? There's no doubt about it. And, and, and different rule packages for different racetracks makes all the sense in the world. I understand it's more expensive. I don't care. Yeah. yeah, I'm a race fan. Number one, I'm a race fan. When mm -hmm. I sit down and watch a race, I want to see the best race I can. And and clearly, 
clearly the mile and a half races are better today than they've been in the past. And now with this package on the short tracks, but it takes two different packages. It simply does. And I'm glad the industry has gotten to the point where everybody understands that. And moving forward, that, that bodes well for the quality racing that we'll be able to see in the future. Well, we did see some good racing this weekend, but I don't think anything was better to see than Ryan Newman walking around the garage here just three weeks after that huge crash in Daytona. It was great to see Rocketman back at the racetrack. What does it mean to be at the track? It's great to be alive. They're looking at my car. It's, it's a miracle. So. I mean, what did you think when you saw that? Just lucky. So he's never been a man of the ton of words, but I think it's more than accurate, uh, a miracle, and lucky you see the accident. It's crazy. And we're going to hear more from Ryan Newman on Wednesday morning when he joins the Today Show for an NBC exclusive. The first interview he's going to give since that accident. Uh, so great to see him back at the racetrack. I'm excited to hear from him. Um, I haven't reached out to Ryan. I've tried to give him his space. It was great to see him at the racetrack, but he, Wednesday morning he'll sit down. I like to get a firsthand perspective of exactly what transpired and his thoughts about the accident. Yeah, it, it is. It is. When he says it's a miracle <laughs> and he's seen the car, you know, that clearly states how bad that car was damaged. And, you know, thank goodness the safety innovations have gone the way they have and, and were able to get this outcome. But it, I, did, I ran into him at, at Phoenix and and I walked up, man, you look good. And he's like, I feel good. And he, you know, he just 100% looked like Ryan Newman, talked like Ryan Newman. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, it's crazy. Like, after, the way I felt after the Daytona 500 for those several hours versus standing there having a, a short conversation with him was, was, was pretty nuts. No doubt. And just for, you know, some of the younger drivers in the sport, I don't think many of us have experienced that sort of feeling that we experienced right after the Daytona 500 and watching that car go through what it went through and, thinking about Ryan the whole time. So to see him at the track, smiling, talking, being his normal self, that's just an incredible thing. And what a scary night that was. But obviously, many of the safety innovations that we put in these race cars are working. And hopefully, we can learn from this crash and continue to make them safer in the future. It doesn't matter how many times you see it, the crash still takes my breath away. It's absolutely crazy. But guys, coming up, did Sunday give us a glimpse of what we're going to see later in the year for a championship race at Phoenix this fall? Man, I hope so. What a race it was. Plus, more on the bounty of winners in the Xfinity Series. A bunch of different winners in four races. It's been fun to watch. And when you have this much excitement, we're going to get a two-part edition of Through the Field, all here on NASCAR America. Here are the odds for the Indy 500. Will Power, the current favorite, at 7-1. to one. I don't know, man. I'm liking Colton Herter, the youngster, yeah. down there at 12-1. to one. I'd expect him to have a good month of May. I like Scott Dixon, 10-1. Come on. I mean, that's I mean, him or Elio at 14-1. to one. I like this. Uh, market's down. Put your retirement here. I'm just putting it out. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'm set up. I'm going for the early one. All right. That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> now for IndyCar's biggest race to a possible preview of a NASCAR championship. There was a lot to be excited about after Sunday's race in Phoenix. It seemed like you know, the cars that you know, had some issues and had to you know, pit penalties or whatever and go to the back could you know, drive back to the front a lot easier. So um, the package, the, the aero package was a lot better than, than last year's short track stuff. Obviously the lower down forces. It makes sure you can get behind the car, you can race them. Um, you know, I was kind of doing race review coming into this weekend, looking back to 2018 and I forgot 
how much better it was versus 19. So yeah, the lower downforce was a big part of it, but you know, hats off to NASCAR and the track for doing the PJ1 and, and a good year for the tire they brought. Boy, I just think that the racing was incredible today. Uh, I was proud of the sport of what happened today. Uh, with you know the the new rules package, the traction compound that, that was put down on the racetrack. Boy, it, it put on an amazing race. You could follow a hell of a lot closer than you could before. Um, you know, you could actually get into the corner behind a guy and roll up to his left rear and try to make him a little bit loose and try to make some moves on a guy. So the package overall just allowed you to be closer to everybody in front of you. Of course. You know, when you get strung out, you get strung out. I, every package, I think, gets strung out. But um, the overall raciness of it, I, I didn't get hindered by following people into the corners near as, near as bad as the other one. All right, so a lot of positives from the race we saw. No offense to Joey Logano or Kyle Busch, but politely, I would care more what the fans think than what the drivers think. And I think the fans and everybody, the, the race I saw, I was impressed with. But, Jeff, you mentioned it a minute ago. That doesn't mean it's right for everywhere. Explain what you mean. Well, on short tracks, the track itself helps make the racing better because you're going slower. Uh, cars are closer together on these mile and a half and two mile tracks where we've always had issues with the quality of race. This package doesn't put as good of a race on as the high downforce, low horsepower. And you know, the, the only fear in the high downforce, low, low horsepower package is that it takes driver skill away from it. That was the fear going into last year. But when I watched, when I watched the races and I talked to the drivers, they're driving their butts off because the, the crew chiefs have learned to take the downforce off of it yep. so they can so it go faster. So Trim it's out. put it back in the driver's hands. So it's a good combination. Listen, I I, I love I want I want driving the cars to be in the driver's hands. That, I, I think that's so important. And we saw that, and I'm shocked that all the drivers agreed that they liked it. That's one of the very few times. Well, we we I think it was the most Hold on, breaking part right there. Positivity. We needed to interview them all. Somebody out there okay, didn't well, three, like it. Three of the three. <laughs> that was it. a really positive group. So you talk about positive. I actually was excited for Phoenix. Martinsville night race. I'm excited. Like, I think this is going to improve the style of racing we've seen at all the tracks, mile and shorter. Yeah, and I, I think last year, you know, we went into that season with the high downforce package everywhere. You know, as we went to the mile and a half, we definitely saw a difference and a different racing. But then what really shocked me, and I just didn't expect this, was when we went to Martinsville and everyone was talking about aero being, having an effect at Martinsville. You know, a complete short track and drivers saying it was really hard to pass. And then we went to the road courses. And I remember Watkins Glen last year, I went the last 20-some-odd laps trying to pass Ryan Newman I was an inch off his bumper for 20 laps, could never get by him. I mean, it was incredible how much aero really affected tracks that we just didn't associate with that prior in the other packages. So going to this just made natural sense it's going to be better. And sure enough, right there, we got the best proof. This is, what, this, is the, this is the way forward, and everyone's excited about it, and you get the positivity because everyone can see that. Well, and I think it's good to remind the fans, I know a lot's been talked about a 21 schedule in this, but this 2020 schedule is way different. And I bring that up, Bristol in the playoffs the championship at phoenix there are some major short tracks one mile tracks that are going to determine a lot and not to mention you have 25 weeks to try to make daytona not matter on the cut race so i mean there's a lot in this year's schedule that i think should be highlighted and look at the cut races in the playoffs they're short tracks they're all short tracks so you know you you, you want to have those races on short tracks because we we associate short tracks with really good racing Last year's rule package didn't allow for us to see typical short track racing, and now this package will. You know, 
when, when, when the cars are stuck so much, you can roll up this mighty Dover and you, and you hit them and they don't move, yeah. that's stuck too much, <laughs> right? I mean, that's just, that's just we, that was way too much. I, and I understand the owners wanted one package because they thought economically it was going to help them. But at the end of the day, they, you know, everybody, the industry learned a lesson on this one. You know, you have to have different group, different types of rules for different kind of racetracks. Moving, it's 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 a much much bigger deal than people realize because the industry understanding that and the proof being there that means everybody will be working towards that for the future, mm-hmm. and that's huge. When everybody works towards a common goal, you typically get good results. And now you cannot dispute the results. We well, may be motorsports, but we're always entertainment. Well, entertainment. I was going to say, I'm happy. I think most for Phoenix Raceway. They put a huge investment, move the grandstands, move the crowd. They open that the, the new barn, and, the, and there's just so many things for the fans. And now we have a great race to go on top of all of those things. I think it's going to be a great championship race. But coming up, part one of Through the Field, as we focus on good days gone bad, Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. NASCAR America on NBCSN is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Only pay for what you need. Bystander of that one. Just sucked, uh, it ends so early like that. Sucks that um, that has to happen that early in the race, but don't even get a chance to work on our car. Uh, we weren't great in the first run, but we made a big swing at it. We didn't even know how that change was. So just uh, stinks we get taken out early like that. Just got a part of it, but. Uh, Going to Atlanta, see what we can do. Had a loose wheel and then I ran the wall. So, yeah, those things, uh, you know, can't can't do. Yeah, it's just, I mean, that's a disappointing result. We had a way better goal than that. I don't know, maybe we should have stayed out and tried to hang out top five there, but thought it was worth a shot. I'm with you, bud. It was worth a shot. We were in really good shape there, and I just made a rookie mistake and uh, fell back to the back half of the top ten. And from there, you know, we had our flat tire, and that was the end of our day, unfortunately. Sure, if he's going to come up in front of me on the on the short shoot or not, you know. And then the ten just ran in the back of us. So I don't know. You can't finish a race. Sucks. We got in the back of him, and uh, and he crashed. So I hate it uh, that it that it ruined his day. We raced a lot together around uh, around each other all day, and, and raced uh, clean and had fun. Um, and so I certainly didn't want to, to wreck him. Welcome to the NASCAR America segment no driver wants to be in. Everyone who had trouble at Phoenix, I mean, pick one. Where do you want to start? We'll start with Martin Truex Jr. He has no luck in the 19. Once again, speed started at the back after an engine change, drove up through the front. That stack up kind of got him in the fence there, entering turn two, one, one. Make sure I get my straightaways right. Entering turn one. Uh, What do you make of the 19's day? Uh, They're going to be okay. You know what I mean? They just got to – this – this stuff happens in racing. They've had they've had some bad luck. They've, they've, some of that's been on them. Uh, you just got to keep swinging the bat, right? I mean, they have speed. I think they have what they need to happen. Just racing happens, right? And and I think that's how they got to look at it and move on. I agree. I think the team improved. They didn't take themselves out with a mistake this time. This is just racing. Unfortunately, I don't see it the same way for the nine of Chase Elliott. He mentioned it. Loose wheel. They had a good car. I think they're going to look back at a race that kind of got away from them that I think they had a chance to at least be in the conversation to win it. Well, and the thing is, think about Hendrick Motorsports this year. I mean, they've showed up, and Chase Elliott has shown the speed consistently here. They just can't seem to put it all together, execute. We talked about it earlier in the show. Here's what you need to do in NASCAR 2020. You've got to execute. You've got to be able to adapt. 
you got to have speed. They've got two of those, basically. They just didn't don't have the execution factor going on the nine car because he was really fast, and I felt like for a majority of this race was the only one that really could contend with Kevin Harvick on the speed category, and then it all just seemed to go away in the last third of the race by having that loose wheel, touching the wall. I mean, it just all sort of fell away, and he lost the speed there. Well, you point. mentioned Hedger Motorsports showed up. Team Penske shows up. They put one in victory lane. Uh, Blaney, though, didn't start off great. They were making adjustments, but I, don't, I mean, wrong place, wrong time. He didn't have anything to go. Yeah, listen, that, that's, that's racing, right? You had really good races. You kept Benetta pulling off. You signed a contract. You go run well again. Like he said, hoping to make an adjustment and see if they were better in the second run, and they had nowhere to go. And, and I, I feel the same way about this 12 car as I do about Martin Truex and his team. Just keep going to work. They've had enough speed. They could have been. They could have won three races by now. Yeah. They've had that kind of speed. They didn't have it yesterday, but just keep going to work. It's going to be fine. Talk of the garage in Phoenix was Brad Keselowski. He showed up in the race with decent speed. So I have been in Jeremy Bullen's seat before, and I became Jeff Gordon's crew chief. I just couldn't make the tough decisions. I think in hindsight, I let the driver have a little bit too much voice at times on pit decisions. That's what I see happening with the two car. Brad Kozlowski's a veteran driver. He doesn't have all the information. I know he's making a suggestion. Jeremy obviously knows what he's doing because his two cars fast, but this is the second race out of four that they were on the wrong end of a pit decision. They pitted here, cycled it back to 11th. We don't know where they would have been on old tires. They gave up a chance to win a race earlier in this year. I really think, no big deal, it's still early in the year, but I think Brad and his crew chief need to sit down and kind of empower one another. He needs to support his younger crew chief and say, hey, listen, you make the calls, I'm going to back you up. It seems like maybe he's a little timid to disagree with his driver. Yeah, I think about the relationship he had with Paul Wolf, though. You know, those two were always sort of t discussing decisions because Brad is one of those drivers that feels like he's just as informed. He's, he does the homework. He does all the things he feels like he needs to be ready and can assess the race from a higher point of view. But that doesn't work always with the, another crew chief. So I think yeah. that those two need to get on the same plane of, what is our real – who's making the decision here? What's our process to get there? That sort of thing because obviously this isn't working right here. Yeah, Jerry Bones has found success with a much younger driver. Now he has the champion in the seat. And Brad, he's got to still be the boss just because you have the information. Now this driver, can I call him a winner or a loser? I'm confused. Tyler Reddick had an outstanding day. It was a rookie mistake. He got high at one time and lost some ground. But I was impressed with the driver of the eight. That, listen, that is what I expect to see from Tyler Reddick. I expect to see him going fast and making mistakes. Because he puts the, the way he drives is he puts the car on edge all the time, right? And when you drive that hard that long, you're going to make a mistake. The mistake was he got out of line, lost a few spots, and he started getting them back. Then he blew a tire. Well, you know what? The blown tire, whatever. If you, you know, just forget it. I think, I think of all of Richard Childress Racing, right? This is a big race. Richard Childress Racing, think how many championships they have, but they need one now. They need one in the near future for Richard Childress Racing to be able to do the things that Richard expects his drivers and his teams to be able to get the funding. They need success. And I, I said it last year, when, when they promoted nothing against anybody else, but there's something about this guy. He is going to be mashing the gas hard, and if he makes mistakes, so what? Drive it the way. Don't, don't change your personality. Don't change it. Keep going hard. Keep pushing because what you ultimately need in this sport is speed. And with speed, you can fix everything else. And I think Tyler Reddick has it. Well, just real quick, that his restarts, Tyler Reddick's at Vegas, I knew immediately he was comfortable. He was three, four wide in the top lane. No one else wanted to be up there making crazy restarts, gaining a ton of position. He goes in the Phoenix, and obviously before the race, it sounded like they weren't that confident about it. 
but gets in there and finds that speed in the long run. And then on the restart, was just as aggressive as if yeah. he'd been up there a million times in the top five. And you know, when you go up to the front of a cup race, it is far different than anything else you've ever experienced <laughs> in your whole racing career. And to be as comfortable as he was and as successful, yeah. that was really impressive. A lot of blue sky, a lot of positives, but two RCR cars with flat tires. Maybe coincidence, maybe not. Uh, you know, the team needs to look at that, trying to move forward. Well, one other name I'll throw out, John Hunter Nemechek. Yep. Oh, yeah. John Hunter ran well. I, that's not a car we expect to see in the top 10. Yeah. But when you – a lot of the day, you saw him 14th, 15th, 16th. That's a really good job by John Hunter really Nemechek. Good. Yeah. Really good no job. Doubt. We talk about young drivers and mashing the gas. Up next, we're going to turn our attention to the Xfinity Series where Brandon Jones not only won the race but outdueled one of the best ever to run in the Xfinity Series. American Flat Track opens its season this weekend with the Daytona TT, and you can watch every session live with Track Pass on NBC Sports Gold. Get yours today at NBCSports.com slash Track Pass. All right, time for the Motorsports Minute. Last Saturday night at Daytona, a crowd of 25,000 checked out the 50th annual Daytona Supercross, one of the biggest races of the year, and Eli Tomac capitalized on a late race mistake by Ken Roxon to take the win. So cool to see those guys running on the infield at Daytona. Oh, yeah. Such an awesome event. A great track design by Ricky Carmichael. Incorporated things from the last 50 years at Daytona. It's a really cool track. Winning at Daytona is great for everybody. And Moto2 opened its season in Qatar, where 22-year-old American Joe Roberts had a great weekend. He set the lap record in practice and became the first American on a Moto2 pole in a decade and finished a career best fourth. Always awesome to see Americans on the international stage up front in what's the Xfinity Series of MotoGP. Awesome to see. Those guys are crazy. I don't care what you say, they're crazy. <laughs> and in the Xfinity Series, Brandon Jones claimed his second career win on Saturday at Phoenix. He took the lead with 20 laps to go, beating the biggest name ever in the Xfinity Series, Kyle Busch. What a run for Brandon Jones, and what a great weekend for sports. And it has been a great season for the Xfinity Series. A lot of talk. The big three moved up. Who is going to fill their shoes? Well, here you go. Four races, four winners. Noah Gregson at Daytona. Briscoe backs it up at Las Vegas. Harrison Burton at Fontana. Then Brandon Jones at Phoenix. Guys, I'm going to be the first to say that I didn't know when the big three left how this series would be. I had concern that whoever ran well, did the series get weaker? Did they get better? What was my benchmark? Well, when Kyle Busch and uh, Brad Keselowski show up in the field, the benchmark is there. And both Harrison Burton and Brandon Joes outran Kyle Busch at Phoenix. That tells me that this series is full of talent and impresses me almost, actually impresses me more to think who they're outrunning on Saturdays. Well, and you bring up a great point because when I looked at this race going into it on Saturday, I thought, all right, Kyle Busch at the front here, he's going to walk away from the field, lead 180 some odd laps, and this is going to be done. But right away, Austin Sindrick showed got ahead of him and started to compete with him. And then you saw the, all the young drivers sort of go at him at times. Brad Keselowski was struggling sort of in the top five and even falling outside it. And I thought, all right, same thing. Wow, the, you know, these guys are really on it. And it's, as you said, it's a great litmus test to say how, you know, that's why we like those guys going in there the little bit they can because it says this is the level they're at. This is the benchmark. Well, it wasn't just us. Vegas had the two cup guys as heavy, heavy favorites. <laughs> so how did they get outrun? You were out there. You watched the race. How did these two young guys outrun the big names? Well, you have to – Xfinity Series is about developing talent, right? So if you take a young driver and you say, okay, here's how he is at, let's just say, 15 years old, 
he surely is going to be better at 20, right? You're, so you're developing these drivers. But you know, clearly Kyle's car got really, really tight in the race and just car wouldn't turn. And, you know, the other guys, they, you know, they were able to get their cars to drive better. And, and that's so important. I mean, you have to have that relationship with your team, your crew chief, all those things we talk about all the time, those things matter. And you, you, you're starting to have these young drivers that understand what the car needs to do, right? That's so important because if no matter if, – if I'm a good driver or a bad driver, what makes me a, a better driver is if I know what he needs to know, right? If I can say my car needs to be better right here rather than saying I think that I need to be a little – there's a major difference in that. So experience is what gives you that. And, and clearly – they're driving good equipment. Giving those teams good good information is paramount. And think about the rookie crop we have this year in Cup that came out of Experience Series, right. including that big three. The purpose of the series is to prepare you the best they possibly can for Cup, right? And we're seeing guys like Tyler Reddick go out there and run up front of Cup and be comfortable doing it. That's because of what he experienced in the Xfinity Series and having the off chance of going up against Kyle Busch. And Brad Keselowski. I challenge you to pick a favorite because even though we've had four different winners, I still have a handful of names that I expect to win yeah. Yeah. in the Xfinity Series. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a deep field of winners and a competitive year, no doubt. And, and, and that experience being gained by all those drivers that I think will have a shot to win the championship, that makes them better next year and better the next year because who is the favorite? I don't have a clue who the favorite is. So th- that's experience. And until you, get in the, until you get in the playoff, until you feel that pressure and you have to go against a guy that beat you last week and you got to find a way, you don't know how to deal with it. So that's what this series is about. And look at all the young names on this that are going to be in that battle for that championship. Yeah, and, and we talked about it. We talk about it all the time when the playoffs come around. Neither of us could believe there could be any more pressure than anybody could race harder. And we get proved wrong every single year in the playoffs. That's why I wasn't a huge fan of the Xfinity Series when they got rid of the season-long championship. I was wrong. The playoffs in the Xfinity Series prep these young drivers for what they're going to feel in Cup because the pressure it is real. And the pressure was on. Up next is part two of Through the Field. We're going to get some post-race reaction from some more of Sunday's key players. Frustrated and, and um, I feel like we left uh, okay. Different mentality, um, you know, still learning each other. But uh, you know, all in all, it feels good to, to you know have a, a top five rolling out of here. We're closing the gap. Uh, feel good about uh, you know what we had. Proud of that effort, scoring points, and trying to get uh, you know just get on a get on a roll of running consistently in the top ten and then progress to running consistently in the top five and. That's how you put yourself in position to win races. You know, it's been pretty tough these first few races of the year, and I've just a lot of learning, and I think it just, it just kind of all came together this weekend. I think I'm just really excited. I mean, it means a ton to be able to get a top 10 here. I feel like uh, we overachieved with a sixth-place finish, but to have Larson fourth, us sixth, that was a really good day to cash some points in for Ganassi. But at the end of the day, I think the drivers were doing all we can to get every point. But we're, uh, at one point, we were running 15th with no explanation. And so we just got to learn from it. A lot better finish than I thought we were going to have to start the day. So um, we'll try and build on that and, and get our stuff a little bit better and where we can contend for wins. I mean, we were just okay. I felt like we were a fifth, sixth place car, and we come home with a third. So we, we got a few spots out of it, but definitely just had no fire off speed. We could not hustle and, um, you know, couldn't keep up with those guys on the front side of the run. So that was that was unfortunate for us. But, um Again, we made the most of it, especially on the restarts. 
Jeff, we talk about it all the time. It's not just where you finish, but perhaps more importantly, if you're not first, how many points you scored. And when you look at this list right here, this is the who's who of big names in NASCAR. Matty D down there in 10th. A lot of big names on there. Um, I'm going to look at the guy in third right there, Kyle Busch. I think he summed it up the best. When I look at his day, never did I think the 18 had a winning car. There were times I thought he was in a winning position. He had fresh tires. He was lined up in the right spot. I was waiting for Kyle Busch to reach up and grab it. He just wasn't in the equipment to do it yet. Stayed calm and put what I consider a blue-collar day in for Kyle Busch. What were your thoughts on the 18? Yeah, not the speed that they want to have. You, you heard him say, you know, you just... Doesn't have the launch off speed. What do we say? We talk about he had good long run speed. The problem is a short run in every long run, and he just didn't. He just didn't have it. And and uh, I know they're working hard. They they've got to find some speed. Right now they just don't have it. But you said it. Managing races is really important. You finished second last week or two weeks ago. Finished third this week in cars that weren't that fast. And that's we talked about it. We talked about it with Logano. Managing races and getting more out of it on a given day. That's a sign of champions. You know, again, they, these guys get a little bit better. They will be very difficult to deal with. That's what's caught my eye about the 18, is he has obviously not had the speed that they were used to last season and yet has found a way to get top five finishes and to be in the conversation late in a race and sort of think, how did he do that? That is what's impressed me about that team. So knowing that Joe Gibbs Racing is going to figure that out and find the speed, being the behemoth they are, uh, you know, you have to think that they're probably very confident right now. Stuart Haas Racing as a whole? I was impressed with. I think it's hard sometimes to have consistency across the gamut of drivers. They had that. Um, I have to ask myself, we saw Reddick run well and Custer there in ninth. All, all of the Stuart Haas cars inside the top ten. Low downforce. That's what they ran last year on Saturdays. Is it coincidence that we saw somebody like Custer run the best we have seen so far in 2020? I don't think so. I think, I think that that fell into, their, fell into what they're good at. Uh, they got to find a way to close the gap to Kevin Harvick. I, they just, I don't, they got to find a way to close that gap. And Kevin's been the leader. And listen, I've been Kevin Harvick's teammate. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, but I mean, ultimately, for, for Stuart Haas racing, right, you got to find the gap. I, and, and, and it's hard. It's, I mean, that guy and, and, and Rodney Childress, they're going to be hard to run with. They're just, they're not good. They're great. And yeah. it, but but in order for that team to be as good as they be, they gotta find a way to close What's it. What's that like? Just go back to that. You know, when you were with Kevin and you're seeing him do those things, you're just like, how do I get that look? What are those other guys going through? You know, uh, hell, yeah, <laughs> trying to get that. <laughs> Not good, yeah. man. You don't sleep at night. You're like, ah, and you you have all the setups. It's all right there, and you say, yeah. well, give me that. And you give me that, and it doesn't work. Like you, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not that easy. So. Kevin Harvick is, he's very, very difficult to run with. He is just really, really talented. Hey, listen, I was Jimmy Johnson's TV, or teammate, now I do TV. Yeah. So you can kind of do the math on how that works. Yep. So you talk about two teammates running together. Chip Ganassi Racing has found that success with Kurt Busch and Kyle Larson, two guys that I don't know five years ago I'd ever put them paired together, (laughs) but it seems to work. Two cars both ran well. Yeah, great. And they were actually both on my fantasy team. So thank you, Chip Ganassi Racing, to sort of solve this out of them. I think this is some of what we've seen. You know, which helped Hendrick Motorsports, the Chevy this year is obviously that newer body style showing some potential they didn't have last year, but huge day for Chip Ganassi Racing to go out there and have both the cars contending for top fives, one in the top five, one in the top ten. If they can keep this up, they could definitely, you know, have a far more solid year than last year. Well, guys, it wasn't just racing out in Phoenix. Everyone was excited to see Ryan Newman back in the garage area again after that gigantic crash closing out the Daytona 500. It was only three weeks ago, and it's hard to believe after seeing that car flip through the air that he would be okay enough to be out in the garage walking around being his normal, jovial self. And his first ever interview 
Wednesday morning on the Today Show. It's going to be an exclusive. I'm going to be tuned in. I haven't reached out to Ryan. I'm excited to see his firsthand account on what went down. Such a crazy accident. But coming up, a look ahead to this week on NASCAR America, including a visit from a fan favorite. Stay tuned. NASCAR America on NBCSN is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Only pay for what you need. Nothing too crazy going on, right? Oh, hold on. I'm just getting this now. Wait a second. Nope. I was wrong, guys. Some huge news yesterday. Matt, next year, is going to drive the Wood Brothers number 21 Ford. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. This is Miss Kale, your bus driver from Frenchie Ford. Oh, no way. Please tell us some of his antics on the bus. Left the bus and jumped out the back. That's true. All right, back by popular the man, Maddie D. You see him there right at the bottom. Thursday, 5 o'clock on Send. He'll be on Motor Mouse. But we got a full week. Jeff, you and I tomorrow with Kyle Petty. No telling what can happen there. We have Ken Schrader and the Dale Jr. download. Oh, can't wait for that. I'm like, I, wait. I don't know if I'm going to let uh, – that could be crazy. And then I'll be on Splash and Go. But uh, when we have the Motor Mouse, we always try to guess a little bit or at least get ahead what the fans could be talking about. Big news this week, Ryan Blaney signed his contract extension. With Team Penske, I think we all thought that was coming. Surprisingly enough, though, Brad was asked about contract talks out in Phoenix. He had an interesting response. For me, I haven't, uh, haven't talked to anyone or kind of gone through any of those steps. So I'm sure it'll be coming up soon. I know I want to race and be in contention to win for a long time. You know, I'm not dialing out, but if somebody dials in, I'll certainly listen for sure. All right, I'm not touching that one. I'm going to start with the drivers. Blaney resigned. Brad hasn't started the conversation yet. Surprised? Uh, yeah, I am surprised. I'm surprised that conversation hasn't started. I, you know, Brad Keselowski is a champion. Uh, the guy consistently runs up front. Uh, he's involved in the sport. He's, he, wants, he wants to impact the sport in a positive way. I think Brad Keselowski is a, he's a guy, if I had a race team, I would <laughs> talk to immediately. Uh, I just, you know, he's got it together. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I, I you know, there's, uh, racing is no different than any other sport. We see other, other teams try to get young. Like, I don't know. Where's Penske going with this? But, yeah, I'm surprised the conversation hadn't already started. I'm putting you on spot. Everyone has a value. Does Brad Kozlowski have more value at Team Penske or somewhere else? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I believe he. there's maybe other teams out there. There's one or two in my mind that could see more value out of him than what Team Penske currently has with their two other drivers in the lineup. So, I think right now when you look at the landscape, he you know, he mentioned I'm not dialing out, but if someone dials in, I'll listen. I think that is a notice to the rest of the field. Hey, I'm looking. The hardest part about drivers is it's not just always what happens on the racetrack. You know, being in those de- debriefs for all those years, a veteran driver like Brad Kozlowski at times can bring conversation back that maybe Ryan, Joey has a lot of experience, but maybe someone like Ryan doesn't quite get. So we're going to be interested to see. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of discussion about it tomorrow. This is it for NASCAR America. Tomorrow, Burton, myself, Kyle Petty, Motormouse, 5 Eastern. We'll see you then. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.